Good evening, everybody. This is Jeff with uh, Dr. Dina Dye, your two co, your hosts for Returning to Eden. We are we're glad you're here, and uh, I don't know how many of you are here, but but I know a whole lot of you are here later. <laughs> Dina, say hello. Hello, Dina. No, hi everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Returning to Eden, and uh, we're always we have a good time with this show, and hopefully, as we you know teach and tell anecdotal stories and all the things that we do. It just is a blessing to you and helps expand your understanding of the kingdom and it encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And we're going to, on that note, we're going to talk a little bit about being in the field and being image bearers. For those of you who have read Dr. Dina's books, uh, The Temple Revealed in Creation, The Portrait of the Family, and now her new one, The Temple Revealed in the Garden, Priests and Kings, two things. You'll get this, but also please, 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 Share this with the greater community of those who believe in the Bible because this book is revolutionary in my opinion. And it also creates another understanding that's a little bit more concrete uh, as opposed to fantastical and, you know, all the stuff that we've kind of woven into the story of the kingdom of our God. So anyway, I wanted to start the program off before we get to that uh, with I'm heading to Camp Patriot. And I showed the video to my family prior to the show. Uh, Dina and I come on a half an hour earlier. I watched the video. Uh, I found a video this morning. I was in tears. I showed it to Nathan at work. I was in tears. And I came home and showed it to my wife and, and sister or daughter, and I was in tears. And so um, I don't know, something about this particular video, which I posted on my website, on my Facebook page and website, brings me to tears when we talk about the disabled veteran. Mm -hmm. So what I'm doing is I'm heading off to Camp Patriot. Micah Clark started Camp Patriot up in uh, Montana. I hope to have him on the show one day. Uh, this is a place where disabled veterans are brought, no cost, no charge to them, and they are uh, the focus is on their abilities, not their disabilities. And so it's part of just saying, listen, live. You're still here, so live. And Micah Clark has started this thing in 2007. I got my little video wrong earlier if you see my Facebook page. But I'm heading there because he invited me to do that. And the reason, there's a, a whole lot of story behind that. But I'm, I'm writing a writing campaign to various high-profile organizations and people uh, to just kind of shine a bigger light on what the camp's all about. I'm not trying to raise money, but, but more awareness. And so he invited me to come up there uh, uh, to see the camp firsthand and to participate in what he's doing. And also my older brother, who introduced me to this, is going to be there too because he's working up there in business. He, he flies all over the world. So uh, if you go to my website, jeffsmorton.com, just click on the Camp Patriot stuff. You'll see the information about the camp. But I'm leaving on the 29th. I'm going to spend just a short period of time up there. And, uh, uh, you know, it just really when you think about the veteran who's home disabled, who's lost his limbs, his legs, his family, his, uh, his whole life. Um, you know, it's hard to watch their lives rehabilitated if you're a patriot like me and not tear up. And so, um, and I don't, Dina, you are on the same page with all of this stuff, big time. Oh, it just, I find when information comes out about what goes on at the VA, I, I can't hardly even stomach it to think that a country and nation and government would treat their veterans the way we have so to hear and certainly private uh, 
private businesses, corporations, whatever, are uh, it, it, when they take care of something, it functions much better. I've all you know, bureaucrats are in the business to solve nothing. You know, they they just exist as fence posts, as far as I'm concerned. But to see someone, I mean, an entity in action doing something that's going to matter and 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 treat you know for the lives of these vets I'm just you know I hope someday I get you know I, I have family that lives in the area so hopefully if we go up to visit you know I get a chance to go to go there do you know uh, how many vets they're able to treat at the same time well this is why I'm going up there I want to get a full field of the camp it's 99 acres and I call it nowhere Montana because it's nowhere I've ever been uh, but there's fishing and hunting and boating and uh, playing in the snow and all kinds of activities. In fact, they do an annual Mount Rainier climb in Washington. Oh, wow. Vets, yeah. uh, veterans, you know. Can you imagine missing your leg from the knee down and climbing Mount Rainier? No, I mean, none of, nothing about that can I relate to. So I, I'm, a, I'm in awe of people that are able to yeah. overcome like that because I feel like I, I just... I don't have the skill set, but I, anytime I see just people able to overcome in, in a major obstacles in their life to succeed and then to help share with others, it just blesses me to no end. Well, and, and, and I'm glad you said that because I sit here, big 58-year-old man from the ghettos of Rochester, New York, and I'm just a bubbling mess because I love to see people. I love people, and I love to see people reaching their potential. Or at the very best, I love to see the ability of people. They amaze me. We amaze me. Whether yeah. we're serving the kingdom or killing each other, we 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 were so amazing. Uh, it just depends on how we apply what God has created. And well, if you think about us, I mean, and you can read this all over scholarship that that a, a person is a miniature cosmos. Like, no. who can even process that? And not only are you a miniature cosmos, you are a miniature tabernacle because the tabernacle was made in the image of the cosmos. So this thing, just how we are put together and how everything functions, uh, is as complex as as the cosmos. Uh, it's just, I find that, I can't even process that. You know, um, which kind of leads us into our, our topic, how do we how do we function in the field? How do, how are we as image bearers? If we're thrown into a war zone, and we are, have been thrown into a war zone, how do we function? Because out here in the field, we have murder, we have rape, we have all kinds of uh, vile, contemptible behaviors that we have to kind of maneuver through. Mm -hmm. And yet, I was, uh, Dean, I was telling you, I was reading Proverbs last night, it kind of put me to sleep reading the book of Proverbs, and I began to see this is kind of like a little rule book, like a little handy dandy guidebook on how we are to maneuver through this minefield that we unfortunately have had to be raised up in. We're out in the field. And I remember in the scriptures, I think it's in Matthew, where it talks about what Jesus himself said, the world is like a field. Right. Uh, you probably know the scripture better than I do. But the bottom line is we've been cast out of the place of his presence into literally hell if we look at it from the uh, Axis Mundi type thing, which is how they would have seen the world, we're out here in hell for the most part, and we have to somehow uh, protect ourselves from the behaviors, which 
we haven't done a very good job because the society at large in our generation is running all over us. And I know you have a lot to say about that. Well, just this is the reason that the Father gave Moshe, Moses, the Torah. This is practical living in the field. This is Now, obviously, there's a lot in the Torah that we are unable to obey because we don't have a standing temple. But we can always make application. The principles matter. And so that is how we operate. I would suggest that the Torah itself is what we would call in the ancient world uh, the edut. So every king that came to power, and in particular in the Commonwealth of Israel, were given, sometimes described as the bracelets or the testimony, but the, the Hebrew word is edut. And the, the king, it was given to the king to be able to govern the, the nation. And so every king was given these edut. I would suggest that the Torah function as an edut given to Moshe to, so he could govern the nation. And so that's how we govern ourselves. So where we find ourselves, we, I mean, we're either in the camp of, of the edut of the Torah or we're in the enemy's camp in which the, those rules don't apply. And there's a completely different set of rules. You, there are you, no rules. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you know, or PC rules or whatever, however you want to look at it. There's no, you can't straddle the fence. There's no middle ground. And as the world, you know, becomes more chaotic, even more so do you have to take a position and pattern your life and your behavior either after Torah commandments and principles and that takes us into Proverbs or the camp of the enemy. I mean, to me, it's, it's really getting pretty clear. And again, it always goes back to the main uh, function of the kingdom is to bear life, to bring forth fruit. So, you know, in some ways it's very simple. But um, I was going to read a little bit from uh, just a paragraph from my book on, uh, you know, in the field. If, if you have my book, it's going to be on page 87. So it's in the third chapter, which is called The Field. And uh, for those of you who have been following the program, you know that Jeff and I have been talking quite a bit about the in the ancient world, every structure, every formation of a temple was in a, in a, developed into three parts. So we've talked about Eden, the garden, and the field. So let me just read this. Uh, I, have, I have the book in my hand. Thank you very okay. much. Okay, so you can follow along with me. Yes. All right. Uh, when Adam broke the covenant with God, he caused a permanent rupture in the relationship between father and son in the natural realm. The murder of Abel continued the downward spiral. Adam's progeny found that life in the field impeded the bond between fathers and sons, which resulted in ongoing family dysfunction. It would affect every family for millennia to come. Fathers and sons would struggle to build and maintain trust and intimacy. Sons would be driven by anger and rebellion against their fathers because of neglect. Fathers would respond against sons for failing to live up to their expectations. An inability to connect would lead to devastating consequences for families. The image of God in men had been drastically diminished. What were we talking about? We, something to do with oh, I just topic, read right? that. I just read that paragraph yes. oh, in my book. I, I, I found this little juicy tidbit I found out. Of all of okay. the mass shootings in the high schools amongst teenagers, there's been 27 major killings by students in the school systems. 26 of those had no father. Yeah, I, I rest my case. 
you know, I, and I said, I, we, we talked earlier, you know, I chose not to develop that in this book, but it, I will develop it more in the Noah book because we're going to take it from the generation from Seth, you know, down to Noah and then what happens with Noah's three sons and how, you know. Um, so I thought that would be a better place to, to talk about this because this is a huge, huge problem. I think is the, it is the basis for, for every dysfunction in society. That's my opinion. Well, I mean, many of you have followed uh, some of the personal stuff that I posted on my Facebook page. And I know, Dina, you've made several comments about it. But really, that's what we're talking about. Um, some of you who've read my book and know a little bit about our story, I have two brothers that were incarcerated. One just recently passed. The other one is still incarcerated. And I kept thinking during the service that my family members and relatives who were gathered saw for the first time, perhaps in our family, how this relationship that ended horribly between my mother and my dad uh, affected the family because it destroyed us. It literally destroyed yeah. our family, completely destroyed our family. And I can't help but think all those relatives and family members sitting there who have had similar experiences or experiences where they're paying the price for the behavior of someone else. And a right. lot of times, unfortunately, it's the failure of the dads to represent the uh, the nuggets found in Proverbs and in the Word and being image bearers. If we don't understand our purpose for being here, it invites chaos and dysfunction because that's how the enemy's camp operates. So we have no choice but to invite all of that garbage into our lives. And then we sit and we watch the lives of our children destroyed because it's just perpetual. It's just yeah. perpetual destruction of life, liberty, and family. And that's where we are today, Dina. You have, I know you have a ton to say about our society today. <laughs> In 25 words or less. Uh, this, you know, I'm not sure how, how to express it. This dysfunction manifests itself in so many different ways. And we, we certainly see it in the addictive behaviors. The, the good news is, though, even despite these relationships that are dysfunctional and lead to all kinds of problems, Messiah, Yeshua, paved the way. That redemption can enter into any situation and can redeem and make whole any situation. Now, it's not that the, the pain necessarily completely disappears, although in some cases it does. But we do carry the the uh, the scars of right. what it's produced. But the the benefit of it when we have been changed, redeemed, and made new is that we could bring that message to those that are hurting, and of which just about every person living and alive has got some dimension of hurt. That's the nature of life in the field. So you know. Our scars can help heal others. Well, I agree. And I, in my book I wrote, I, I chose not to live in my scars. And I think that was a defining point in my life because I, I stopped making the same mistake over and over and over again. Uh, however, when we talk about living in the field, folks, I don't know if you've noticed this, but the Christian church in the United States of America, 
the Jewish people all over the world have been scattered out in the field. We, we're a complete mess because in the field, we're fighting, constantly fighting division and divisiveness. And the problem with that is that's the way that operates out there. It is mm -hmm. to divide and conquer. So when we talk about the four churches that I've often talked about, the Catholic Church, the Christian Church, the, the synagogue, all in the same neighborhood, nobody knows each other, and yet we all talk about the same God, it's, um, it's, it's just another example of the dysfunction in the family of God when mm -hmm. father's missing. So if yeah. the father's missing in the family of God, it's no different than my family. Yeah, it's exactly the same pattern. And then when we get all our roles all mixed up, because we live in a period of time where women have been elevated above men, and men are experiencing the fruit of this, and I, you know that's, that's a whole other topic. I think all of the gender dysfunction, the homosexual dysfunction, etc., can all be traced back to the relationship with the father. I would venture to say 99.99% of that behavior is the result of the poor image-bearing relationship with the, with the physical father, not to mention, you know, our heavenly father, if you will. Well, we, unfortunately, and I know, I know this for a fact, uh, we tend to look at a father figure, particularly the father, the Elohim of creation. Mm -hmm. We connect him to our, our, our personal fathers. Yeah, that's the only way we know how to relate. And so now we don't want anything to do with him uh, because he reminds that re that whole thing. Yeah. We're transferring the behavior of our earthly father or earthly parents to that of God. And we're, well, well, I didn't want to come here anyway. I, I don't know why you put me here in the first place. You know? I think it was supposed to be that way. I mean, I think that's how you understand image bearing. But... You know, the, the violation of, the, of, of Adam brought the first dysfunction relationship between him and his son Cain. And I, and I, you know, I don't see this myself as sort of a DNA, like it's stuck in our DNA, like I don't see it in those terms, but more of passing on behavioral dysfunction, not DNA dysfunction. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, I think it's kind of both because I was reading a study about cellular memory and how the behaviors of your parents are transferred to you through yourselves, the memories of yourselves. And so I think, I think for me, this is just my take on the article. Father has a way of saying, don't do this because it affects so many things. Yeah, yeah, so I would agree with body, that, yeah. I, yeah. I think if we take it out of the spiritual realm and we make it a physical realm, well, both are affected. Both yeah. are affected. Because if yeah. your body is dragged through hell, and then you decide, well, I'm going to have some children, they have all of the vestiges of hell attached to them, which goes to the heart of your point about Cain. Cain, I, I think, Cain raised up, he, he became a murderer. Right. I think what I mean more by that is it's not sealed. It's not a done deal that you can't get out from under. Oh, well, yeah, sure. I guess I, that's kind of more where I think I'm heading with that. And, and because of the work of Messiah Yeshua to bring the, you know, the restoration that's needed. I mean, really, it's the old, he is the only answer. There is no other answer for the mess in the field. None whatsoever. I, and, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Go the ahead. blood is what renewed the covenant. 
So all we have to do is we are going to literally, I mean, folks, the culture is running over us like a steamroller. Yeah. The reason that's happening is because we've adopted so much of the behavior of the culture that there's no difference. Yeah. And we were to be set apart. We were to be not Christian and Jew, but citizens of the kingdom. I, for the life of me, I wish we could get away from these religious identifications and, mm -hmm. and, and adopt the citizenry of of the kingdom so that we had a new playbook. We had a new well, book. And that's, that's an image bearer. That is the true exactly. description of the image bearer, you know, walking in the field. I mean, we are in it. It's not going anywhere. We're not leaving the planet. You know, we're not escaping out of Dodge. This, this is our reality. So how, and I, you know, we've talked about, I do, I do talk about this some in the, in the last chapter, but how do we walk in this world as an image bearer? Well, the number one attribute of the covenant is uh, love and loyalty. And so, you know, they will know us by our love one for another. <laughs> like, if point. there was ever a time to show the love of God and the difference between this kingdom and the one, the kingdom of the foreigners, it is now. And especially, I would say, in the United States. Well, this was the, this was the mandate. This is what, I mean, you accepted the... See, what we do is we're all sitting here waiting for an airlift. And, and the problem with that is... Guilty, you wrote, guilty. <laughs> you wrote about this, Dina. You, you actually I know. On page 40, 148 in your book, I have it highlighted. Okay. The, world okay, never, the, nev the world will never be redeemed if its covenant people abandon their mission by disappearing. So yeah. for all you folks waiting for that train ride... <laughs> Uh, the problem with you waiting for that train ride is you're all standing at a train station and you're not out in the field representing the kingdom. And I think well, the and problem with that is that if we're not the representative, if we're not the image bearer, we're all waiting to catch a ride out of here, then the chaos becomes that much more dominant. And that's literally what's happened. Yeah. And I follow up that quote that you just read with something from N.T. Wright who said, God's great purpose was not to rescue people out of the world, but to rescue the world from its present state of corruption and decay. Can I get an amen? Amen. With his people, by the way, because... Yes, we are the, the vehicle. World, yeah, in the ancient world, when you entered into a covenant that obligated you, kind of like a marriage. So yeah. when you said, Jesus, come into my life and change me, and he did, then you have a responsibility to be an image bearer in the field. Not a, a Pentecostal or a Baptist or whatever. You have a responsibility to be a royal messenger of the king in this kingdom. You need to get the book out, learn the rules, so that you can represent the king, because that's what he's going to hold us to account for. And that's, we're all about, as image bearers, we're all about rescuing people. See, that's the, that's the thing that gets, gets forgotten. So when a king came to power, he ba his job was to protect his people. The first thing he did was rescue them from a foreign enemy who had dominion over them. Wow. And then he, once he rescued them, then he was supposed to protect them. This is the actual definition of salvation. 
when we talk about Yeshua bringing salvation, it's because he has rescued us from the enslavement and dominion of foreign oppressors. And I talk a lot about that in the book. So that's our job, is to rescue people. We see people, I mean, we run into them, you know, a hundred times a day. People who have just are held captive to their addictions and to their, you know, myriads of, of issues and problems and, you know, heartbreak and just all that stuff. We are supposed to rescue others. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, let me just say I'm not perfect in this regard by any stretch, but that's our admonition to, you know, the field is in a state of decay, distress, um, but the, the, the person, yeah, the, the image bearer has been placed there to make this place bearable until such time as the field is no mas. <laughs> but when we talk about the field, we're talking about the tares and the wheat. And when you stop and think about it, the tares right now are, are over. I mean, they're everywhere. The weeds are growing everywhere. They're choking out that which was to be taken into the storehouse. And the reason it's being choked out is because we're not literally developing the relationship of unity according to the kingdom of God. And right. that's that is Yeah. That is the nature of the kingdom. Uh, the Shema incorporates that. It, the kingdom, when it says it's one, when, when we say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, and we usually translate it, the Lord is one, it, it's actually better translated, the Lord is the only one. The kingdom is the only one. There is only one kingdom that will be standing. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. We've been... We've been talking about this quite a bit, but that's just really, I mean, I want to see that move more in my own life. And certainly I know our listeners, are, uh, many feel the same way. Sometimes we just feel helpless in the sort of world we find ourselves in. And how can we expand the kingdom? And how can we be an image bearer to the, to the sphere of influence that we've been placed? And see, Dina, what's your, your last statement? Here's, here's the problem as I see it. Because we feel helpless. We feel like, what can we possibly do? Right. But the reality is that the mandate wasn't based on our feelings. It was based on, here's the rules. Now go do it. Yeah. And so when I'm, when I'm talking, when I watch that video of, of Micah uh, Clark with these guys missing limbs and whatnot, climbing mountains yeah. and, and having no sight, you know, they're not sitting there going, well, I, I, I'm not sure I can... They're, they're actually taking what they have and making it happen. You know, I have a standard saying, if you, a standard saying is, is if, you, if you do absolutely nothing, absolutely nothing will get done. And I look at it this way. My whole life is dedicated to uplifting people and, and helping people and doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, because that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. If I'm sitting here looking, my uncle told me, and I'll, I'll close with this, Dean. I'll let you close up the show. My uncle told me when I was drug addicted a long time ago, years ago, he said, the fact that your problems are more important than your children tells me that you're the most selfish nephew that I have. No. I never forgot that. I guess not. I never did. So uh, the bottom line is, is whatever you're feeling... In this dysfunctional field, 
don't let it stop you from being an image bearer. You know, like yeah. Well, I'm just going to kind of close out with another little quote from my book on page 150. It says, Today's kingdom priests, image bearers, should adopt the farmer's perspective for the harvesting of souls. Although there is resistance when cultivating the human heart, the fruit, the sons of God, will come forth to number the stars in the sky. The work of the priest is to replace the thorns and thistles produced by the human heart with fruit-bearing trees and shrubs. His kingdom priests are to reflect his character by exercising justice, righteousness, and mercy. Wright points out that the law is kept only if the poor, the downtrodden, and the vulnerable are cared for. Tangible love for our neighbor is the practical proof of our love for God. God sent a true king to rule with justice, making the poor and needy his constant priority. Our daily service requires that we cultivate the soil of the human heart in order to feed hungry souls. And that, my friends, is how we return to Eden. This is Amen. Jeff Martin. This is Jeff Martin, my beautiful co-host, Dr. Dina Dye. We're signing off. Oh, thank you. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week, and God bless you. And remember, Shalom. you're a citizen of the kingdom, so go act like it. Amen. Amen. God see bless. you next week. Bye.